Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Go Vols 247 podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Patrick Brown on this Monday, April 3rd edition of the Go Vols 247 podcast. Obviously, I am not Wes Rucker. Wes has quite a bit going on this weekend slash beginning of this week. So I uh, do need to, to talk some Tennessee football because Tennessee football did wrap up spring practice number eight earlier this morning and had more players meet with the media if you have frequented our site of late, you have seen plenty of coverage of of what several, it feels like the entire Tennessee football team has been saying about spring practice. Uh, Patrick Brown has done a great job of covering spring practice as Josh Heupel gets ready for year three. And there's quite a quite a bit of newness around the, the football program, although there is still several key players still in place. But uh, want to to pepper Patrick Brown on this Monday with with some spring football questions because again it's a pivotal spring and uh, Patrick first before we get into all that how are you my friend I'm good uh, it feels like spring practice has been going on for a while but it's only two weeks they kind of condensed it into four weeks this time so spring games only I mean what twelve days away now. Got a scrimmage coming up on Thursday. Quick turnaround from the first scrimmage on Saturday to that one. So uh, they're they're moving pretty quickly and and things are rolling. Yes, and that that honestly I didn't think about it, but that could not describe Josh Heupel more efficient and and quick to the point. <laughs> get in, get out, get a job done, and 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 win some ball games along the way. Uh, it, it's pretty obvious where we need to start, and, and that's at the quarterback position. Uh, Hendon Hooker is off to the NFL and oh by the way it looks like Hendon Hooker is about to be a first round pick in the upcoming NFL draft later this month uh, I guess it was Ian Rappaport uh, that he's he said on social media reported on on social media Monday that he was visiting the Saints Hendon Hooker visiting the Saints on this Monday and and he's kind of started to appear in, in some mock drafts so good for Hendo Cinco uh, good to see that the ACL isn't hampering his his draft stock much at all, and that his film and and his interviews are kind of speaking for itself and allowing him to to skyrocket uh, up the mock drafts and and draft boards. So good for Hendo, uh, but on on the bad side for Tennessee, he's not going to be playing quarterback for them next year. And Joe Milton appears to be the starting quarterback, and and he will be the starting quarterback. There's no doubt about that. But it's still a big spring for Joe because. With guys like Hendon moving on, there's new leadership roles that need to be filled. And although Joe did show signs of improvement last season, I I thought there were significant differences in Joe as a quarterback last year compared to his first year at Tennessee. He still has not put together a string of football games in which he has played high-level football at a consistent rate. So it's a big spring for Joe. And then also it's a big spring for Nico because, again, Joe has not proven he can be consistent just yet. So there's no guarantee that Joe Milton will just have a a runaway, terrific 
ultra successful season this year. Nico needs to be ready to play, not only for that, but more so because they're the only two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster and they play in the SEC. So there's no guarantees that Joe makes it through a, a season healthy. So uh, it, it's a big storyline this spring. And, and so far, Patrick, what have you seen at the quarterback position? Well, but I think the main thing is that the Tennessee sort of wants there to be a competition. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think there is one really. Um, and that's not to say that uh, there's a gap between the two guys. I just, I think that inside the building, Joe Milton is the guy. Um, I think he has the trust of the staff, the trust of his teammates. Um, we talked to some players. We, I mean, just about every player we've talked to and asked about him and said, this guy's been a leader even before this off season. Um, he, he's just, He's a little bit different from Hendon and how they go about their business. Hendon's like a film junkie, savant, kind of serious. They had to get him to loosen up. With Milton, you don't have to get him to loosen up. He's always kind of loose, always kind of jovial, always smiling, um, as I think Ollie Lane put it on Monday. Um, and, and that's sort of always made Milton a guy that teammates have liked. So, um, you know, I, I think the bigger question, not necessarily is leadership um, in terms of, you know, can you do it during a practice when – you know, things may not be going right. It's maybe a big question of in games, if things aren't going right, does Milton have the poise to to grab his guys, get it, you know, get in the, get in the huddle and, and, hey, we need to go. And we, and we saw a little bit of that in the Orange Bowl when, when Clemson sort of made a run and, and Tennessee was able to respond. But um, I, I think he's got a lot of belief in the building um, and a lot of confidence in the building. Um, that said, there you know, there was some chatter. Some fans were, like, talking up a controversy, competition, after the scrimmage on Saturday, because I mean, I, I think Nico probably had a better day um, than Milton on, on Saturday, based on what we heard. Um, you know, Nico Yamaliava led a touchdown drive on his first series. The first team offense really kind of struggled a little bit to get going. Still did some good things, but um, maybe Milton was holding the ball too long. I guess coverage, um, and, and and Nico was looking really smooth and, and probably. I should point out something Ali Lane said on Monday is that he's he's been sort of surprised at how quickly Nico's jumped in and just been able to run the offense. Um, like he's been in it for a couple of years. And we've heard, I mean, you remember t- talking to Hendon Hooker after his first year, talking about how hard it was to learn the offense. And, you know, we've seen Milton, you know, he wasn't comfortable in it right away. Even guys like Brew McCoy, I mean, these are all guys that have played in college for multiple seasons, have come in and said, it's weird. It takes time to adjust. It's a different way of life. Uh, here comes Nico, who's been here for two months, and he's operating this offense from a tempo standpoint and getting everybody where they need to go, uh, like a guy that's much older than he is. So um, I, I think some of the early buzz, uh, and and going back to the scrimmage, that's not always been an indication of how it's gone all spring, Ben. I, I don't think that Nico's like outperformed Joe. Milton's been fine um, by all accounts, but um, you know it's just one day out of 15. Uh, so I don't think people need to overreact, but I do think people are have, have plenty of reason to be excited about what Nico has already shown halfway into his first spring. I, I think there's reason to be excited about uh, whenever that time comes, whether it's an injury this season, whether it's Milton struggling uh, or whether it's more 2024, whenever, whenever that time arrives where Nico is, is taking over, I think there's reason to be excited about what that could look like for Tennessee. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised when you and I both heard we were, standing together on the field of Neyland Stadium when when we heard that Nico was was a little bit better than Joe um, probably for for that first scrimmage I I don't think it was anything 
significant. There was no significant gap, but I, I was a little taken back. Not not necessarily because Nico has been bad to, to this point in spring or, or because Joe has been just absolute dynamite, but the, the conversation has been that Nico looks like a freshman and that's fine that that's no indication that Nico is right. ready or anything but Nico as you just described is still learning the system and and you could tell that he's been learning the system Th- those were the types of mistakes that he had been making and uh, Joe Milton has has by far been the guy in in spring and and it's really not a competition no no matter what anybody over there in the program wants to say and I, I wasn't pointing out Joe's past to bring him down to earth I think he's going to have a good season I would be surprised if he doesn't have a a good season and and gets himself drafted quite frankly but the the fact is that like Nico needs to be ready to play and that's more so that what I was pointing out is because that to this point Joe hasn't 1000 percent solidified himself and again you just never know with injury I mean I, I can think back to I guess it was 2013, Butch's first year when every scholarship quarterback played. And then I think in 14, every scholarship quarterback played. Riley. 2019, they started four if you want to throw Juwan Jennings in there. Yeah. I mean, you just like it's uncommon to to make it through a season in in which you don't need a second quarterback. So that's more so what I was pointing out uh, is, is that Tennessee needs Nico to be ready. Not necessarily that Joe is struggling or his job is in, in jeopardy. Uh, it, it's just more so that for different reasons, it's a big spring for both of them. And I think to this point, both are handling it really, really well. I think the bigger question on offense, Patrick, is not necessarily the the weapons that they're going to have at their disposal. And, and we can touch on that in a moment before we shift to defense. But What's going to happen along the offensive line? Because the play of the offensive line and the defensive line, just the the line of scrimmage in general, is why Tennessee was able to go win 10, 11 football games last year. They If, if they don't play as well as they did, they're probably an eight-win football team. But because they made such a significant jump and, and really won a lot of battles in the trenches, that's why they were able to go out and win 11 games. And on the offensive side, you lose two really, really key pieces in Jerome Carvin and Darnell Wright. Uh, from a leadership standpoint, from a production standpoint, from a, a uh, versatility standpoint, especially with Carvin, those are just two really significant losses. And you have Spragans coming back. You, you have uh, Cooper Mays right there in, in the middle at center, and, and he's without a doubt the leader of this group. But who is going to be that other guard opposite of Spragans? And who are the tackles going to end up being? You have J.J. Crawford back. You have Gerald Mincy back. But then you also have some newcomers in the fold. How that unit kind of comes together the rest of the spring and throughout the summer and into fall camp, I think that's going to have as as big of a say in how successful the offense is as the quarterback play. Yeah, I think I said the first week, Ben, that that – the competition to watch on Tennessee's offense is on the offensive line. Uh, and they've got a lot of moving pieces up there. You went through a lot of them. You got Gerald Mincy going over to right tackle after starting a left tackle in uh, last season. Uh, you've got a couple of new pieces in there. John Campbell Jr. comes over from Miami. He started left tackle. They've got him working there. Uh, Andre Carrick is a, he played tackle uh, left and right and was sort of a, a blocking tight end, jumbo tight end kind of guy at Texas. 
They've slid him inside to guard. He's worked at left guard. Um, and, and then you've got uh, – you, you throw in a look at the scrimmage. Cooper Mays wasn't available. He's missed about a week. He, he didn't practice on Monday morning either. So that's thrust. Addison Nichols, second-year player, uh, he's been the first-team center over the past few practices and in the scrimmage. And Vison Lang, who's a, a freshman who was – uh, you know, wasn't, you know, uh, Shamrod Umarov was the the big name uh, early enrollee in terms of recruiting ratings, but Lang is a guy that, you know, was, was you know, your regular three-star offensive lineman that comes in and he's, I don't know if he's ever played center. You know, he was a left tackle in high school. Now he is playing center. So and he's with the second team group. So uh, a lot of moving pieces there, um, you know, and it's not going to be a simple process. You touched on Wright and Carvin. That's two guys, two guys that started 40-plus games in this league. Donna Wright's going to be a first-round draft pick. You don't just wake up, you know, uh, unless you're maybe Alabama or Georgia, you don't just roll out of bed and have another stud waiting. You know, you got to develop these guys. And I think Glenn Ellaby has is, is earned that benefit of the doubt, but that's that, that's the position, that's the unit that's pro- you know perhaps got the longest way to go in terms of figuring out what it's going to look like in the fall. Um, and so there's a lot of competition going on right there. Uh, I think at the guard spots, I think Ollie Lane's a guy that's played a lot in the past. Uh, he's sort of getting a, a chance there to, to stake a claim to that left guard spot. Right. The tackle positions, I think, are pretty open. Uh, I think you could see Mincy at, at one of them because I think he's a guy they think is is probably one of their most talented players. Uh, and we'll see how quickly Campbell comes along. I think he's a guy that uh, you bring him in, a 12-game start at Miami, you bring him in, he's thinking he's going to start. He's a he's a one-year guy. Um, and so you you have to have, kind of hope he turns out to be plug-and-play. So um, that that group didn't play great in the scrimmage. Uh, talked to, to Lane and Javante Spragans on Monday. They both said it wasn't uh, as bad, and, and it's not as bad. It wasn't as bad as everybody kind of the initial reaction was for some fans. Um, it's never as good or it's never as bad, and I don't think it was as bad, but – uh, they both acknowledge that there there's room to grow, and um, that that's going to be a position group that's going to be unsettled for the rest of spring. Uh, I'm interested to see if they change some of the lineups, if Campbell and Carrick get more first-team work because they've been working together with the twos. Do those guys get more looks with the first group? Uh, and those are positions that's going to be up for grabs. I really, outside of, of center with Mays and, and right guard with Spragans, everything is is up for grabs, so – uh, when you're replacing it, they have to replace. You have as many guys they have, um, and you have uh, three open positions. It's going to be a lot of moving pieces, and it's always going to be smooth. And uh, I think when they get to the scrimmage on Thursday, they're going to see a little bit more uh, of a solid performance from those guys. Yeah, and, and the skill positions, there, there's a little bit of figuring out there as well. I mean, you know what you have at running back, uh, Dylan Sampson, Jalen Wright, Jabari Small. We'll, we'll see if Cam Selden can, can make some noise this fall. Uh, I, I was surprised. And Deshaun Bishop, yeah. Yep, I was going to say I was surprised to hear Josh Heupel go out of his way to mention Deshaun Bishop. I mean, Heupel's not a guy. It seems like he's been more of a guy that isn't afraid to name names this spring, but during his Tennessee tenure, he he's kind of avoided singling out guys w- when asked who's been impressive. Uh, but he went out of his way to to mention uh, yeah, sometimes Bishop. He volunteers them sometimes, no pun intended. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it's rare though. So like when when he does, it, it sticks out even more so. And uh, Deshaun Bishop, that that caught my attention, as I'm sure it did a lot of people. So I think the running back room is good, not great. I, I think it maybe has the potential to be great. Maybe even projecting even 
to to next season in 2024 when Wright and Sampson and Selden and maybe Bishop are uh, a year older. But again, I think the running back group is good. You you know what you're going to get out of them. And, and I think Wright and and Sampson have potential to be game changers, but I don't I don't know that they're that right now. It's it's just kind of steady Eddie at, at that position, which is fine. Uh, they're good. I think they're one of the better running back groups as a whole in the league. It's just from a Tennessee football fan perspective, you, you're not used to. There's not a Jamal Lewis, right? There. There's not right. a star. That's that, that's what Jason Swain always likes to remind me because I'm like I I like the group. It's it's good. But then he reminds me that there's no Travis Stevens or Travis Henry or, or Jamal Lewis. and, and well, well, Jason got spoiled by playing with those guys. Yes, <laughs> a- absolutely. Playing with Montario Hardesty and Sam right. Houston. And, yes, no no doubt about it. And, and Tennessee's had its fair share of good backs even uh, in the last decade or or so. But the, the, the standard – I know everybody talks about Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State when it comes to running backs and, and LSU, but – the the standard for running back at Tennessee is pretty high as well, and and they don't like that game changing running back. But I don't know that you need that in the system. But my, the overall point is like they're going to be fine at running back. I think they're going to be fine at tight end. Jacob Warren coming back, and it seems like McCollin Castles is is going to be able to contribute. I think yeah, both they, both caught a touchdown in, in the scrimmage on Saturday. They did. I think they need Ethan Davis to to be able to play when asked this fall as well. So I, I kind of like where tight end and running back is. And I, I think the receivers are going to be fine as well, but there's still a lot of moving parts at receiver. Yeah, I would say of those three positions, Ben, I think receiver is the one that's um, maybe got the. you're just kind of curious how it's going to play out, right? Really the only question running back is can they stay healthy? Can they develop some guys, and can Dylan Sampson sort of become on par with Jabari Small and Jalen Wright? Um, and, and I think he can, uh, and I think he should have played more last season. But if you go back to the LSU game, he gets him and hook destroyed. That's a good way to earn earn, earn a nice spot next to the coach on the sideline because they're not going to put you in there if you can't protect the franchise. Um, but if he takes steps, and you know, I think we saw Jabari Small, Jalen Wright. Um, take steps from from 21 to 22. If we can see the same from Samson, uh, shore him up his pass protection. He's obviously got the a really good ability with the ball in his hands. Um, I know Jerry Mack, maybe, you know, the recruiting at running back maybe hasn't been as great as you would think with an offense like this. Um, but I do think he's done a good job of developing his players so far. Just uh, and, and you want to see that continue with Samson and some of these young guys. Tight end, I, I've always really liked McCallum Castles when they added him, even though when they added him, I didn't well, I wasn't quite sure what you know, he's an FCS guy on the West Coast. I'm not I'm not that deep into the weeds and big sky conference football, but you look at him, he's really sturdy, long arms. I think he can definitely help this team and, and sort of keep up the, the tandem they got there with uh Jacob Warren. I don't know if he's gonna throw sixty yard touchdown passes like Princeton Fant or score five rushing touchdowns, but certainly a guy in the red zone. Uh, and a guy that you can rely on to, to make some plays for you in the passing game. Wide receiver, uh, I think the big question is how are they going to incorporate Dante Thornton uh, into the offense? Um, because uh, is he going to be an outside guy? He's been in the slot. He's been a little banged up. He's had a hamstring issue. He started to do more. I don't think he scrimmaged much, if at all, on Saturday. I think the hope is that they get him full speed. Uh, for Thursday, and they probably need him full speed for Thursday because they're they're down a few guys. They got banged up in the scrimmage a little bit. Monday morning, didn't see Ramel Keaton practicing. 
didn't see Jalen Wright practicing either. So that, that opens up some doors for Samson and Bishop at, at running back, but at receiver, <clears throat> um, you know, we didn't see Keaton score. White was working inside with a trainer. So they're, they're kind of nursing injuries. Um, and so is, is Thornton going to be a guy they move around? Are they going to play him and squirrel? I think if, if you had one complaint about the receiving, uh, about the receivers under the staffs, they don't really rotate. Right. Um, and I think they learned that from their first season when the first month they played too many guys and, and then they kind of got their three and they said, this is who we're rolling with. Did the same last year when it was Tillman, who was healthy, Hyatt and Brew McCoy. Obviously, you know, Brew McCoy is going to be back in the fall. He's not practicing this spring. Well, Keaton's a guy that, that doesn't get a lot of pub, but I think he's going to be a fixture. Him and Joe Milton have a very good uh, connection. Um, and, and I think Squirrel White's a guy that's, that's it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. But you got a guy like Dante Thornton, who's 6'5", runs really well. Uh, he even probably looks bigger than 6'5". I was actually got a chance to sort of watch him run some routes on Monday morning. And he is long, tall, athletic. Um, and you're going to have to find ways to get some of these guys the ball. Uh, can anybody else get into that rotation? And, and can they, if, if something happens like last year where Cedric Tillman has a high ankle sprain, if Brew McCoy's down for a few games, can Chas Nimrod step up? And Nathan Leacock ready as a freshman. He's got a high ceiling. Uh, how soon can he be ready? So I, I think the top three or four, you kind of have a good idea. you got to figure out how they want to use these guys. Um, but um, I think there's enough at, at, at really all three skill positions that we've touched on to, to feel good about Tennessee's offense. Are they going to average 46 points a game next season? Maybe not, but they're going to score a lot of points and they're going to put up a lot of yards and they're going to put up a lot of, a lot of big plays. So, um, And I think this spring with some guys that are down or have been down and, and might be down for uh, uh, in the near future, um, I think that's presenting opportunities for young guys like Bishop, like Nimrod, like Leacock, like a Caleb Webb to get more chances to show what they can do and, and earn trust from the staff. Yeah, I really like where the offense is at right now, given that it's literally the beginning of April. They they have a ton of questions, but that that's also what spring practice is for to to assess all all of the questions. And uh, there were a lot of questions in fall about the offense going into last season. Nobody knew that Jalen Hyatt was going to go win the Bolitnikoff, or the offensive line was going to take as big a step as as it did, or or that the running back room was was going to be fine, or. I think everybody anticipated Hendon having a, a great season, but I don't I don't think that they anticipated him being a, a Heisman candidate for, for much of the season. So that's what this time of year is for. And I think if you're a Tennessee fan, I think you should be encouraged by where the offense is at right now, despite losing Hooker, Tillman, Hyatt. And again, that's that's just kind of what this this year is for. Just getting better as a team and uh, just, just getting a feel for your different positions going into fall camp. I think the real reason for optimism is where the defense is at right now. And we'll we'll see what Patrick Brown thinks about that here in a moment. Because first, we do need to catch a break here on the Go Vols 247 podcast. And we'll be back in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Go Balls 247 podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Patrick Brown, talking Tennessee spring practice. Midway through, we got the spring game coming up in less than two weeks and have plenty of coverage of all of spring, and we'll continue to have coverage up at Go Balls 247 Dot com. But here on the podcast, we would like to ask you to go like, rate, and review the pod because that surely, surely helps us, and we would greatly appreciate it. Pat, I said it before the break, but I think the real reason for optimism, if you're a Tennessee fan, yeah, you feel good about the offense. That's fun. That's sexy. That, that's what this brand of Tennessee You know football, what you're going to get, yeah. Yeah, that's what this brand of Tennessee football is going to be known for under Josh Heupel is, is offense and, and scoring points, but – uh, I I've been really encouraged by what I've I've heard from the the defensive side of things. It, it seems like they've really taken a step forward this off season, and I think for two reasons that stand out to me: a they've just simply added bodies. They, they they've added good football players from the high school ranks at each level. They made some nice additions in the transfer portal. So the the biggest reason, in my opinion, that the defense was frustrating is because of just a simple lack of talent and depth because of the coaching change from Pruitt to Heupel. But it seems like they're finally starting to catch up number-wise, and that's making a huge, huge difference. And then also, when looking at a specific unit, I think the linebacker room has gotten better which is weird to say because Jeremy Banks may sneak into the NFL draft here in a in a couple of weeks, may, may sneak into the back end of the draft. Jawan Mitchell moves on. Uh, Solon Page, a veteran, moves on. You do return Aaron Beasley, and boy, was he playing great football at the end of the year, especially in the Orange Bowl. But just the additions that they made, and, and you can say a lot about the freshman additions on the defensive side of the ball in general, but, man, I, I think – Let's, let's, just, of, let's uh, just talk uh, about Arian Carter. Yeah, Arian Carter. And and then, but like also, you got to lump in, like I kind of still view Elijah Herring and Caleb Perry as right. a freshman, although I think technically they're listed as a sophomore. Like that, that young core of linebackers, and it's not just on the inside, it's on the edge as well. Like Caleb Herring and and some of those guys, they're 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 gonna be they're going to be ready to play this season, in my opinion. And, and just the middle of the defense getting better on top of just simply adding bodies, talented bodies, I think this defense is ready to take a big step forward this year. Yeah, I think one of the, the standout things from the scrimmage was just how much more athletic Tennessee looked on the defensive side of the ball based on people that, that we talked to. And um, you, you touched on some of the newcomers. I don't think it's just newcomers. I think it's just young guys in general. Uh, I think it's guys uh, like Tyree West, the guy who – Sort of maybe flew under the radar a little bit. Everybody was focused on like James Pierce and Josh Josephs, and and I was kind of like, ah, Tyree West has a chance to play a lot too. Um, and, and I think he he was a guy that was mentioned to me as a standout by a couple of people at the scrimmage. Um, you know, he's getting a chance there. Latrell Bumpus is gone. Rodney Garner, a week ago, said you know he was you know one of the guys that always did everything right. So reliable, so dependable. 
Um, a guy whose impact went beyond what he did in the box. We know they have to replace Byron Young, uh, who, who's been on a tear during the pre-draft process. So, you, you know, we talk about what the offensive line is going to look like replacing some guys. Defensive line has some guys to replace off the edge. Uh, and some of those guys had a good scrimmage the other day. So, um, you know, I, I think Wes is a guy that, that has a chance to to make an impact. Um, and, and then, you know, I think Pierce, James, you know, I think James Pierce might be a little bit ahead of Josh Josephs at this point at that Leo spot. Roman Harrison is still there, liable veteran. You know, we'll, Tyler Barron's a guy that, that when he has everything going in the right direction can, can make an impact. Um, and they've got enough bodies on the inside of that defensive line to be really good. And, uh, I mean, Josh Highpoint for the scrimmage said Elijah Simmons had a good spring. We'll see if, or we'll see how long that goes on. But, uh, yeah, linebacker is a position where it's, you know, it's been flipped pretty quickly. Um, and you have to really like the group they've got there with Beasley and kind of being the, the head dog there. You bring in Keenan Peely who from BYU who's, um, looks the part, you know, he's married, uh, kind of mentoring all these young guys, sort of leading by example. Uh, been a good transition uh, for him coming to this program after having been at BYU for uh, for four years. Um, and then Arion Carter, everyone you talk to, the, the word that I hear the most is that this guy's just a stud. I mean, he looks different. He looks like a guy that, that Alabama would recruit and, and Tennessee had to beat Alabama out to get him. So um, he's a guy I think is going to force his way onto the field sooner than later. You mentioned Elijah Herring. He's a guy that I think has had a good spring as well and has sort of stepped up. And um, another guy that looks the part, has always looked the part, but now the mental side of the game is, is slowing down for him. And uh, they're making plays and, and doing some things there. And, um, yeah, I think that's that's one of the big big things that stood out in the scrimmage was just how much more athletic this defense is. We know they're going to want to play a lot of guys up front. Uh, Brian Jean-Marie said they want to be able to rotate four linebackers. That's what they did last season. So there's going to be some young guys that have a chance to work their way into that rotation there in the second level. And uh, I think they, they've liked what they've seen from some of those young guys early on uh, at those two position groups. What's been your take on the defensive back room? Because you, you trust Rodney Garner up front along the defensive line. He'll he'll have his group ready to play. There's more talent and more experience with Keenan Peely from BYU in the middle. But the defensive back room was, without a doubt, the weakness last season. You, you've got some familiar faces back there. You also added a lot of freshmen. What's kind of your take on where the defensive back room is midway through spring? Well, we should have a better idea on it um, later this week. Willie Martinez is going to talk after Wednesday's practice, uh, so we'll get a better idea on 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 the secondary and, and specifically the cornerbacks, which is obviously a, a fascinating competition this off season. Uh, I, I think you kind of know what what some of those pieces are going to be, right? I think Wesley Walker is going to step into a starting safety spot. I thought he played well at the end of last season, um, and maybe should have been playing more. Uh, maybe should have been on the field all the time sooner. Um, you know, Jalen McCullough is back there. He obviously is a polarizing player, but don't think he's going anywhere. Jermaine McDonald's locked in at the star position. Um, and, and I think if you're trying to to look at the, you know, the positives for how the secondary could be better, um, you have Walker stepping in as a safety role. I think he could be a really good player. You have McDonald as a second year starter. He's going to be, should be more solid. What does Danico Slaughter look like after a full offseason at cornerback? He's always kind of viewed himself as a safety. I hope we get to talk to him later this week and see if he still views himself that way because um, he's a guy that needs to be on the football field and, and a guy that that brings sort of a, a playmaking presence that that maybe some other guys, some of those other guys don't. And that's something that uh, I should have mentioned with the linebackers is you guys like you got guys like Aaron Carter and Elijah Herring 
making plays that Tennessee's linebackers have been making a lot the past few years. So um, then Gabe Judy Lally at, at cornerback, because I think he's a guy that's going to play a lot. Um, and then a couple of freshmen, I think, are, are pushing there as well. Uh, Jordan Matthews is the guy that gets a lot of the attention, but Ricky Gibson, the third, I think is a guy that, that maybe he's flying under the radar a little bit. He, we didn't have him as a four star. I think he was a four star on the composite, but this is a guy that, that Georgia wanted at one point. Um, and I remember watching his film back in February and it was like, yeah, I can see this guy would look really look right at home at Georgia. And so uh, I know he was getting some first team looks back, uh, last week in a, in a practice or two. So, um, they're down a couple guys at cornerback. Brandon Turner isn't practicing this spring. Deshaun Rucker is not practicing this spring. Warren Burrell is a little limited. So that competition maybe isn't as full as maybe we thought it was going into the spring. Christian Charles is back at safety as well. I think he's got a chance to be maybe be that third guy um, behind Walker uh, and McCullough, uh, who could be a guy that, that helps there. So maybe it's not as crowded, but I, I think it has a chance to potentially be better um, and, and what they what they've been hoping for is that new bodies, whether it be those three freshmen at corner, um, or and Judy Lally, who's an experienced guy, whether it's Slaughter being a corner, all of these things sort of come you know come together to make a, a situation where you either bring in new guys who are better, or the guys that you have back are get better because of those new guys. So I think that's what they're hoping for. Um, uh, I'm, I'm interested to get a better read potentially on, on how those cornerbacks are shaking out from Martinez on Thursday, but, or excuse me, Wednesday. Um, but I, I think they did okay in the scrimmage. Um, uh, I, I don't know that, you know, I don't know that they forced a bunch of turnovers or made a bunch of plays on the ball, but uh, I think they did some good things coverage wise. Zone coverage has been a huge point of emphasis. I think we've almost seen them work on it just about every day, uh, in practice in the early parts that we get to see. Sometimes the corners and safeties will come together, work on some zone. Uh, the cornerbacks are on Monday. We're really drilling some zone techniques, pattern matching, things like that. So uh, the staff knows they need to to shore up that side of the, of the defense, and, and they know they need to uh, to get better there. And I think they're doing it. Uh, they're approaching it with a couple different ways this spring, where they they've brought in guys to really inject the uh, the competition and give themselves more options. And then they've they've also tried to really drill it and, and make it an emphasis and make it something something that you try to improve on a little bit every day and hope it leads to something good in the fall. Yeah, don't think Tennessee's defensive back room is all of a sudden going to be one of the best in the SEC or best in the country, but I, I do think there's plenty of of talent back there to where they can take a, a considerable step forward uh, this season. There's too too many bodies and and too many guys with potential as well. I, I know that may may sound crazy uh, given the the amount of returners, but that there's guys with with a skill set, and quite frankly, it's up to Willie Martinez and Tim Banks to to coach that potential and 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 that get that talent out of them. So it'll be fascinating to see how the secondary plays out. You mentioned Wednesday on Thursday, Tennessee will have its second spring scrimmage, and we'll be back here on the pod once again to recap the second spring scrimmage uh, ahead of April fifteenth, which is the Orange and White game. So just over. Uh, two weeks away from from the orange and white game pretty crazy and before we know it fall camp will be starting so for Patrick Brown I'm Ben McKee this has been another edition of the Go Balls 247 podcast MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season and so are we I'm Tori Deal and I'm Anissa Ferreira the wait is over guys all stars four is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.